everyone, and welcome to a very special episode of the Living Force Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Eric Eilerson, and joining me, as always, is the man that doesn't have a segue today. Sorry, man, I got nothing. It's Dr. Corey Helton. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Hello, man. It's uh, good to be here, as always. Excited for another wonderful author interview today, which is going to be a lot of fun. Absolutely. And like you said there, we have a very special guest, uh, author of one of our classic now favorite books rebel rising and author of one of your future favorite books the princess and the scoundrel it's beth ravis welcome to the show thank you so much for having me of course uh, as this is coming out on release day princess and the scoundrel i hope everyone watching and listening obviously pre-ordered the book and has it i hope you're all very excited uh i have finished the book but of course there will be no spoilers on here other than it is absolutely incredible and as we were told at celebration quote it is the book that han and leia lovers have been waiting for and beth i could not agree with that more congratulations it's such a feat oh thank you so much that's that's all i really wanted to do was just to highlight their love story oh god there's so many things now that are popping out that i'm going to say i'm sure the conversation in the next month will be amazing but uh let's dive into a little bit of the behind the scenes about it Yes, absolutely. I would love to kind of kick things off with asking you, of course, about Princess and the Scoundrel. Um, you know, your Star Wars work now encompasses an adult novel, a young adult novel, and a couple of short stories in both of the From a Certain Point of View books. Uh, what do you love most, I guess, about getting to write in all of these different formats? Because you've now covered kind of all the big ones, I think, at this point. I don't know. There's still some big stories that I would like to tell in the future. Um, uh -huh. <laughs> so Star Wars, love me, love me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Shameless plug. Um, yeah, I I love exploring this, the characters that we know so well. Like we know Han and Leia deeply. Like I I don't think there's a human being on this planet who doesn't at least know of Han and Leia. And yeah. so adding something new to that was fun. But Jen in Rebel Rising was kind of the exact opposite. Like we knew her story, we knew where she was going to end up, but we didn't know the character at all. So like uncovering that part of it was fun. Like this is fascinating to me that there's always something more to uncover about yeah. these characters that we think we know so well. Yeah. yeah. And it's and it's so fun to kind of see how you took them in different directions. Now, now do you, on that note, do you, take a different writing approach to a writing like a, a Del Rey adult novel versus like a Lucasfilm YA for Jin or like short storying like is your prep process different the process itself or are you kind of just writing stories I it's it's a little bit different um for Rebel Rising because we knew the story and, and I knew from the start like I knew it started at a specific point and it was going to end at a specific point but I didn't know the character so it was a lot of character work and a lot of thinking about what would make the character be like that. Mm -hmm. But a Princess and the Scoundrel was co the complete opposite. I knew the the characters inside and out, but I had to come up with a whole plot for it. So there was a little bit of a different approach between like world building and plotting versus character development, because there's not yeah. much more character to develop for these already established characters. Right. Um, but beyond that, the, the research was just reading a bunch of comics and watching a bunch of movies. So. Well, dang. <laughs> oh no hard to beat that i know it's such hard work i took one for the team y'all i did it oh, we appreciate man. your sacrifice yeah, yeah. that's fantastic uh, yeah you you really do have a, a bit of a knack i think too for writing almost origin stories like in a lot of ways too like that has always stuck, stood out to us about rebel rising is like it's it is jen's origin story and like rogue one is my utterly my favorite film i absolutely loved that and like the fact that that book specifically 
like is just, you know, it's kind of derived everything from that one line between her and Saul Guerrero in, in the film where like you left me with nothing but a blaster in a bunker. And it's just like, man, you, you killed it. You killed it. So it's like, it, I love to see that you sort of, with this next, this next work, this princess and the scoundrel, you sort of change gears and it is still kind of an origin story in a little way of like Juan and uh, Han and Leia's kind of relationship. So uh, that's, that's fantastic. Do you feel like you have to approach sort of that origin story-esque type of writing any differently, or is it similar to kind of how you prepare for other stuff? I, I kind of think it's almost like writing a biography for fictional characters. I kind of approach okay. it that way. That, oh, yeah, that, yeah. that is, is biography, biographical work. Um, so for Jen, it was a little bit more like psychoanalyst of like, how, how sure. did you become so bitter? How did you get to that? Stage? Yeah. But for Han and Leia, it was, it was actually more looking backwards and having them recall the moments that grew to mean something sure. like there's a lot of moments from empire strikes back i did i thought i was going to mostly be drawing from return of the jedi but i mm. i drew a lot from empire and those little moments where they interact become big memories for them and how sure. the memory shifted over time yeah fantastic. yeah those, it, it, again without doing any spoilers so many of the moments of of that leia had within that year without han uh that you wrote about in the book were so fascinating because it is something that as a reader i never considered that you know we're, we're we're watching that kind of play out now especially in the, the charles soul comics of like when they were looking for han during war of the bounty hunters and things like that like oh right leia's having an entire life and the last thing she said was i love you and then a year goes by and i i really love how that comes through um but like Corey said, with that and with the Jin backstory, much like Saw Guerrero with all those people at that party, you absolutely killed it. Um, so, um, <laughs> the next one I want to ask oh, you about. Oh, man. <laughs> it was right there. It was right there. Um, so I also want to touch on your, your other two projects and from a certain point of view, because everywhere that we talk about with that has such a unique experience because it sounds like the most somewhat organized but also the most chaotic projects in the star wars publishing world so i want to ask you how did you land on your chosen characters in, in both the first from a certain point of view and empire strikes back so from the, the first one i really lucked out because i was certain that somebody else would take that character before me um but i wanted to write that scene that's kind of in like the the council room on the death star with the empty chair so mm -hmm. i could slip in some rebel rising and some rogue one yeah like, bits in there because it's Krennic's chair you know it's Krennic's chair <laughs> <laughs> so my whole motivation was to write about the empty chair and I just nice know, somebody else who was there to, to do it um but for the other one I wanted to write the moment when the audience sees for the first time Darth Vader without his helmet but also that's when this character sees for the first time Darth Vader without the helmet and yeah. what that means because I think it, it could be a moment of sympathy, but it's also a moment of like revulsion. Mm -hmm. And I kind of just wanted to dig, dig into what it meant to, to see that vulnerability and not care. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, totally. That, and, and it reads so well. I, I mean, and obviously we, we are all pro more rogue one and everything. That's yeah. great. Uh, <laughs> oh, Scarif. Great. Yeah. I can go in anything else. And, and it's so interesting, like the humanization of vader is such a fascinating part of star wars and obviously something as you write in princess and the scoundrel that leia is really coming to terms with um upon the revelation um is that something that's always stuck out to you in, in watching star wars is the humanization of vader or have you kind of had a journey throughout the years as well because it's such a unique concept in the saga 
Um, I, I'm very much on Leia's side that he's a horrible person and <laughs> love. And I'm kind of cool with the fact that he dies miserably and alone. So, <laughs> yes, I'm very much on Leia's side. And I get that there's a humanization point to it. And the whole prequel trilogy really does bring that home. And I will... I will allow him existence because of Padme, but only because of Padme. Like, sure. <laughs> Some kind of atonement may be necessary, right? Like not everybody <laughs> yes. has to be redeemed in Star Wars, perhaps. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man, that's fantastic. Well, changing gears, I guess a little bit, let's kind of uh, swing back around on Princess and the Scoundrel. Um, you know, we, we got at San Diego Comic-Con, you know, we revealed like uh, Han and Leia's wedding outfits, which is pretty interesting and original. How special was that for you? Like, were there certain, like, what did that process look like? Were there like lots of concepts back and forth? Like, were there certain things that gave you inspiration kind of in real life? Kind of tell us about the such a specific question, but it's kind of the outfit choosing process, the wardrobe choosing the process, if you will. Exactly. How did, how did she say yes to the dress? That's what I want to know. <laughs> I actually, in my first draft, I didn't have many details about the dress because they get married like right after the battle of Endor. And so I was like, oh, well, she probably just has, you know, whatever she has laying around. And then the more I thought about it, the more I was like, wait a minute, this is pretty iconic. We need to actually have a good dress. Yeah. Um, yeah. I drew I drew a lot on um, on Endor, so the color for the Endor moon and the green, um, and then the boots. I felt like she's she's not a high heels kind of girl. She's going to wear some serviceable boots mm-hmm. that are also very pretty. Um, but actually, what what really blew me away was at San Diego Comic Con they had a, a booth, a photo booth with the cutouts of the people, and so Han and Leia life like, yeah. size cutouts. That was amazing. But what yeah. was like even more was the background because they had all the painted background of Endor. And it was like, if you looked at it from a certain point of view, it was almost <laughs> stepping into it. And it was just, that was such a magical experience. Seeing something oh, that was man. in your brain come to life was like mind That's blowing. incredible. I love <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah, the the picture that you posted uh, of of you with them was was so beautiful, and then of course all the uh, like the cosplayers, especially the old Han and Leia cosplayers that showed up, um, yeah, kind of remembering fantastic. their wedding. And, and now when that obviously we'd seen the the cover before that Comic Con, mm-hmm. um, but did you do you remember the moment when you were sent over the first like concept of like here's the dress, here's what you wrote? Like what was that like for you opening that email or whatever it was to see it for the first time? So I, I saw the cover first and it was just the cover. So we just saw like the sleeve of her dress mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. the hair. And and without giving any spoilers away, some of the flowers are kind of important to to that scene. So I kind of okay. honed in on that. I was like, oh, look at her hair. And she's got, and, and that was really, really cool. But I didn't see the full dress until I walked out on the floor on San Diego Comic-Con. Oh, wow. <laughs> that was the first moment. And I literally almost fell on the ground. It was, it was. That's yeah. amazing. <laughs> That's it, it's amazing. It's kind of like seeing a childhood friend walk out in her wedding dress because you've known Leia your whole life, essentially. Oh yeah, totally. Oh. And you and you have sort of like inadvertently, maybe really intentionally, I suppose, like kind of created your own versions of these characters, right? Because like when you go to things like Comic Con or Star Wars Celebration, you have people walking around and like you know, the quote unquote iconic outfit, right? You have like Leia's indoor outfit or her, you know, the white dress with the buns. Like, so you've created this now. Also, there's very likely to be, this could be one of her sort of iconic outfits. Maybe we'll see this at Celebration and Comic-Con in the future. That's going to be crazy. 
if anyone cosplays it, I will literally die. I will just fall on the floor and die. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. Uh, I think yes. it's a matter of time, quite frankly. Like, oh, yeah. I think it's just going to happen now. So I can't wait. We need cosplayers. We need actual weddings. And then most importantly, we need a Funko Pop. And we also need downloadable content for the Lego Skywalker saga. I think those are the four <laughs> things. I didn't even think of a Funko Pop. And now... <laughs> <laughs> It's it's all I think about. Um, yeah, I, I uh, it's such an iconic thing. But of course, with the princess in the book, we also do have the scoundrel, namely with uh, the lovely Han Solo. Um, right. and, and what I love is that with Jin and Han specifically, Beth, you're so good at writing characters who are a bit distrustful of relationships and connecting with people. So what's so special to you about writing the moments when they finally kind of crack a bit and let someone in? Because they both kind of have that in your books. Yeah, I, I always find this kind of question funny because they, they're very much like me. Oh, <laughs> like excellent. I'm a very open person, but I'm also like kind of slow to trust you. And I'm like, and I like open sure. up about myself very much. So they're, they're very, they're very much like me in that aspect. Um, but especially with Han, having him like move past the the joking and, and he, he removes himself from situations through sarcasm and through jokes and like, I don't really care kind of attitude. Mm -hmm. So showing him actually caring, there's actually a moment in the book where I, I specifically say Leia expects him to have a joke at this and he doesn't. Yeah. And I wanted to show it's that striking. Moment. Yeah. 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 And it, it, and it's so fun to see that because, you know, with, with the amount of Han content we've gotten, obviously since the, original trilogy it's always fun to see those moments when he breaks and like even in stuff like solo where we saw alden have the younger han who definitely wants to let people in and then of course seeing Jin in the beginning of rogue one just being a young girl who wants to talk to her parents and just wants these open things like they all were people that wanted to love people at a certain point yeah. and and within this book like we do get to see han kind of be just all love for a little bit and all open and uh, and then of course and then of course mayhem happens and he has to do his own thing but it's a it's an awesome balance changing gears just a little bit i want to ask you a little bit about the halcyon star cruiser kind of connection here and uh because now we have this is it's so fascinating this is kind of the second major time this has happened in literature we've had sort of a, a place in books sort of brought to life like with now, you know, that's, I guess that's the glory of Disney being involved in all this now is there is a park and we can do things with it now. And I want to ask you, what was it like writing in such detail, I guess, about the Halcyon Cruiser, like considering now that that's a place that a physical place that people can go visit. Did that sort of like, did that give you like more freedom or was it there were there sort of kind of defined structure, I guess you had to work in? There, there was a few elements of structure that I had to work in and and I had to make it fit and be realistic because I want it to be something that if you read the book and then go to the Halcyon in real life, you can follow the steps and you can actually see the different elements. So hmm. I I studied the floor plans like to the point where I was like measuring with rulers, like to like how long exactly is it going to take to get there and, and certain things like that? Because I really wanted that part to be very, very real because my goal sure. for this is to make the star cruiser feel like a real place. Like it's not just mm -hmm. a hotel. I wanted, to, I wanted to add to the immersion of it. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that I really enjoyed doing was there's going to be places in the, in the star cruiser, the real one, where it'll be like crew only or escape pods down this hallway, but you can't go, but sure. Han will go anywhere. <laughs> and right. he's not yeah. going to just like not go somewhere because there's a sign on the door. So I was able to make the halcyon even a little bit bigger and go beyond what guests can actually experience and i hope sure I hope make it more real 
Yeah. And, and I and I will say, again, as someone that's that's read the book, there's there's a couple of Easter eggs, which if folks are going to the Halcyon, I guarantee people are going to be looking for specific things that yeah. happen in the book, which is great. And, and I also think that when the book was first announced, there were some people that were like, oh, is this going to be an advertisement for an expensive place I can't afford to go to? And I think what's so great is that not even a little bit like like at, like finishing the whole book it it so reads as like no this is a ship in Star Wars and and you wrote it so organically and it and it, and it meshes so well and i think that's what's so cool is that it is it is not like Halcyon equals book is that book equals oh my god there's a book environment and i think yeah. that, obviously this book news that's what i think galaxy's edge is so cool about too is that now that we've read about Batu it's going to a place in a book rather than reading about a, a theme park which i think is really right. cool yeah I, uh, it's so fun. And, <clears throat> and of course there's a lot of, a lot of lovely romance in the kissing book. Um, but there is also a, a ton of political intrigue in this, um, very much like around the fall of the empire, a lot of like aftermath type of vibes. And I gotta ask in, in a massive galaxy that's defined by like turmoil and, and rebuilding empires and political factions, how do like small loving intimate relationships help these characters like specifically han and leia in this case like persevere and kind of keep going even though their victory may not be as solid as they thought it was yeah it's always a really interesting thing to look at the way we portray things like rebellions and wars and these vast galactical scope images of battle um, but I always go back to, um, I also teach writing. And one of the things I always get to teach my students is when you're looking at an action movie with a war, you don't pan the camera out, you zoom the camera in because we can't always can oh, yeah. care about the vast numbers, but we can care about individuals. And so the more I can make individuals seem real, that makes the battle that much more dire and important because it's, it's, easy to just blow off numbers when they're a headline in a newspaper but if right. you actually know them and consider yeah. them to be real people that's where your empathy comes in wow that's fantastic yeah yes. super powerful i mean that's, that's what star wars <laughs> wow. is i think it's like that that it's the story of individuals and the story of people and how one person can make a difference and man i love that that's fantastic yeah i mean and that's why we you know we know people like like Porkins and we know like again as we talked about rogue one a bunch of times together like we we meet these people for the first time and then five hours or two hours later we watch basically them all die and it and it hits harder than yeah some of the bigger moments and i think that's that's what's so key about about some of the stuff in this book especially in the beginning of leia kind of reckoning with the party that we all love and remember the victory celebration that is right after a bunch of people died and i think that yeah them balancing that and, and then of course going on a romantic honeymoon while there's also political upheaval and I think that's one of the parts of this book that people are really going to be so fascinated by because love stories are are often such places of comfort and oh this is great but the galaxy doesn't know they're on a love story the galaxy doesn't know that they're doing that it's still trying to build itself yeah it's like what mon says in the book that the whole point of fighting the battle was to have the love and the joy after and right. if you're not going to embrace that then what was the point of the fight yeah it's I so love good. that. This book, this That's book fantastic. <laughs> this well, sort of, sort of speaking about uh, about Han and Leia's interpersonal relationship. You know, when we when we get to the Force Awakens, we sort of see that shaken up a little bit. You know, all this time has passed. I think that was a little shocking to a lot of viewers to kind of see that 
you know, that Han has Han and Leia have changed their Facebook relationship status. So it's complicated. Right. Uh, and uh, <laughs> it's complicated, but it's not over. Like, I don't, it's right. I, don't I love that. that. Exactly. Yeah, Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. I mean, they do have somewhat of a separation and to some degree, yeah. I guess. And He's sleeping on the couch. First... The couch just happens to be in space. <laughs> That's right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I wanted to ask you, how does that how does that eventuality in sort of the canon storyline, how does that affect how you write moments of the relationship sort of in the past? Yeah, it, it was definitely something that I had to consider as I was writing, and it wasn't always necessarily a happy thought as I was writing. Mm-hmm. But I do, I do sort of feel like, Leia especially but Han as well they both kind of realize like this is a bit of an impossible relationship they're very much on diverging paths and they're choosing to face that impossibility and take a risk on each other anyway and there's there's like a real beauty to that but also I think they both realize like as long as we embrace the love that we have now that's all we can really hope for and Mm -hmm. they have faced a lot of battles and they're better together and they know they're better together yeah Yeah. they would have figured it out there's there's a little bit of symbolism i give a nod to it a little bit with um the rings without spoiling too much about it okay but um but yeah yeah (laughs) yeah that's fantastic it's so i think it makes it even more heartbreaking in episode seven if that was possible um (laughs) but because because you're so right you see them even in on their honeymoon talking out their issues and talking about the things that we know will will maybe i guess plague them for lack of a better phrase through the years um but they're already starting to work it out and and i think that it's interesting for you to write a marriage that's like yeah they're always going to have some issues and you're going to talk and communicate and it makes us realize oh they probably would have talked this out in the next scene you know when han would have come back and it's something that honestly i hadn't even i hadn't quite thought about because it's so final um but to see a relationship like theirs that has always been so ideal and then ends in tragedy, realize, oh, no, it ended in the middle. It didn't end at the end. Right. Makes it all the worse. Yeah. Oh, God. I'm sad again. Well, no, no, I... <laughs> Star Wars. Uh, pre-order books. Um, so, of course, speaking of those issues, Leia encounters a lot of work-life balance obstacles, I guess you could say. It's something that's very familiar, I think, to a lot of folks in their relationships um, throughout the years, a lot of folks have trouble balancing that, um, even folks in the creative life. And, you know, you said that you put a lot of yourself into your characters. So in this particular project, did you have any kind of work-life balance issues that you were like, oh, I can use this or I could take this? Like, because we know the Star Wars creative timeline can be a little interesting, I guess we could say. <laughs> yeah, I mean, work-life balance is definitely something I struggle with. I mean, I'm currently at my mother's house because she's going to be my free childcare for this interview. So <laughs> I really understand the struggle. That's where the whole weird background comes from for me. Um, but but it was it's always something, especially in freelance life. Like the way a freelance job works is you have nothing to work on and then you have everything to work on. Yeah. So I actually even took this book with me on vacation. Um, I went to Germany with my mother because she's, she was trying to find the village where her ancestors came from in the 1400s. Wow. Wow. There's a couple things from that trip that made it into the book. Like we ended up in Rotterdam and there's these houses called the cube houses. 
And those are the guest houses that are on matters that Han and Leia. Wow. I just stole stole them and made them out of ice. (laughs) That's amazing. Yes. I need to Google those immediately once they're off. And the drink that they drink is named after my favorite beer that I had in Germany mixed with the imagery of a hot toddy because it was really cold in December. (laughs) Wow. That's fantastic. I love hearing about the real life stuff. It's like when people put in friends' names and things like that into the books. I love that. It's so good. Oh, there's so many. There's so I many. love it. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's so great that I think that, you know, now with a lot of Star Wars novels that have been coming out the last few years, and, and it might just be uh, like authors like yourself and people are kind of being more open about the creative process, but it seems like there's so many more personal touches like that coming into the galaxy that makes it feel more, I guess, honest and open and uh, like that. And it really... I don't know. I, I think it's making better stories for what it's worth. I think that the books have been, you know, I don't think it's a coincidence. That's for sure. Yeah. You'll have to do like a, like a, a tweet thread or something one day, maybe with all the crazy stuff that you pulled from the real world. I don't know. That'd be fun. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that, that would be, that would be long. Mike Chen did that with brotherhood. So, and when he was exactly. That, yeah. Like, oh, I should have done that for mine. And I didn't even keep up with all of them. <laughs> How <laughs> be like, I need a name. Okay. Friend, I'm rearranging your letters. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's so good. That's so good. Uh, I want to ask you a little bit about Han and Leia again, uh, because as despite the challenges and the chaos that kind of surrounds both of them in, in your book and the saga in general, Han and Leia still are in a lot of ways sort of the gold standard for Star Wars love stories, I feel like. Like, what is it that make the princess and the scoundrel so perfect for each other? I I think it's because they're honest. It's not... They're not always like lovey-dovey in a kissing relationship. They're very honest. And they know from the start, like that they're they're gonna fight and banter. And part of their love language is fighting. And yes. they're, they're yeah. really positive <laughs> of that. Yep. It makes it real. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they fight and then you get to make up, which is the <laughs> best part. Yeah. And I think yeah. <laughs> and do you and I know we talked earlier about, you know, uh Padme's reasoning being uh, a reason that we can excuse Vader for some things. Um, and obviously yeah. they have a, a a love story that's been explored quite a bit. Do you think there is another couple for you personally that kind of touches Han and Leia or even eclipses them possibly just personally? Um, no. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, the, the thing with the Padme and Anakin love story is that I only like the Padme side of it. I don't yeah. care about the Anakin side of it. You could just cut him out and I would just adore Padme and that's fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I not in Star Wars yeah. and almost not anywhere else. I'm definitely a hand Leia, like a hundred percent through and through. Yeah. Oh yeah. It, Absolutely. It's hard not to be too, though. I mean, they just have such a, they have such a complex relationship that's so fun to explore. I think that's why they kind of have been the gold standard, I guess, for a, a lot of reasons. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I will say, I, I, I've told some folks about this because as the embargo went up, but like I, I personally have always liked Han and Leia, but I never quite got the all-timeness of them until uh-huh. reading this book, legitimately, and now seeing the way you wrote them, I'm like, oh, this is, like you said, the honest completely well-rounded love story and now like i haven't watched force awakens since i haven't watched any movies since finishing this book and i'm a little scared to because i think now as all great star wars books do it's going to change how people watch these and watch them um especially with those kind of little touches like you're saying as han wakes up from the carbonite and as leia kind of especially in jedi i'm very excited to see where that goes now 
we have a, a practice of asking every writer we talk to uh, the same question here. Uh, and I want to tie it back to Han and Leia because Han and Leia's love story obviously has, has a legacy in Star Wars, as does every character, every filmmaker, every writer kind of touches the galaxy and changes it, what Star Wars means. So years down the line, when people look back at Beth Revis, what do you hope your Star Wars legacy is going to be? Um, I hope that people feel like my stories fit in with the stories they have in their heads. And I think a, a lot of people have like this imagery of of what's happened with with Jin or with Han and Leia and things like that. And if I could make that my stories flow seamlessly with the stories that are already being told, mm. that that's really all I, I would like. I, like fade me out of existence and just have the the stories exist on the same playing field. I love that. Like the I force, you can't touch it, you can't change it. It just flows, right? Yeah. <laughs> that that will mean, be the legacy of Beth Revis. She was like the force. There we go. <laughs> That's, That's a much more eloquent way of putting it. <laughs> I will well, take that. I mean, from from literally writing the entire backstory of one of the main stars protagonists with Jin, and now writing the story of the marriage of possibly the most famous love story in all of the saga. I think we're at a pretty good trajectory. Uh, yeah. so far. <laughs> um, I feel so lucky to get to tell these stories. Like these are the top stories that I've, <sighs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I, and I'm just saying if, if you ever, if, if the Bill Organa novels next, so be it, that's my guy. I'm just, I, I'm gonna start pitching that every single interview and be like, whoever wants to do it. Um, <laughs> but, but we can, I'm glad it's, it brings you as much joy and you feel as lucky as we do reading these. I really think these are amazingly special stories and everyone that is about to read Princess and the Scoundrel, um, obviously, let us know what you think. Let people know what you think. Let Goodreads and Amazon know what you think, because we live in a horrible system of ratings, but it does help, um, unfortunately. Uh, but with all that being said, uh, Beth, as we wrap up here, where can folks uh, find you online? And are there things that you can talk about uh, that people can keep their eyes out for coming up soon? Um, so you can find me online at BethRevis.com or any social media at BethRevis pretty much. Um, I'm primarily on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram. And the only things I can talk about this coming up are not Star Wars related. I have That's an fine. ongoing serial novel that yes. is done entirely through dice rolls and reader votes. So it's kind of like a Dungeons and Dragons game. And every episode I roll the dice um, on video and then let readers vote on where the characters go and write that one uh, episode at a time. And I have a historical fantasy coming out with a co-author next October that takes place in Germany. So I doubled up on that research. There wow, it is. Fantastic. <laughs> Absolutely. It's all the tax yeah. write-offs. I love it. That's perfect. Exactly. <laughs> oh, well, amazing. Well, thank you so much uh, for taking the time uh, at mom's house uh, to, to chat with us about this. And uh, once again, congratulations on this. I think it's been hyped up quite a bit this year, uh, but it, it delivers on every single level. And uh, I can't wait for more people to get their hands on it and tell you how much they love it. Thank you so much. I hope everyone does. <laughs>